And what's up, everybody? Welcome to the weekly edition of the OKC82 podcast. Uh, shout out to Ryan Chapman and Christine Butterfield for doing a great job last night following the Thunder's 129-116 win over the Brooklyn Nets. And look, I'm just as shocked as everybody um, hearing that because I was bartending, which is why I wasn't on the show last night. Uh, but Ryan and Christine were at the bar watching it uh, with me. And right when the game started, I was like, you know what? The Thunder could potentially lose this game by 30 or 40 points because the Nets, everybody on that team can score. Uh, everybody on that team can pretty much handle the basketball. And if they just had a, a normal to their average night, the Nets probably would have won. But guess what? The Nets actually didn't play that bad. The Thunder just outplayed them. And that's going to be something that is going to plague the Nets all season long because they are probably the first 2K team in NBA existence. So we'll see if that even works. But other than that, a great win for the Oklahoma City Thunder on this young season, 5-4 and four, uh, on the season thus far, almost 10 games into the season. And also, I'll just go ahead and recognize this, recording this at 3 o'clock on Monday. Um, it appears that the NBA is going to be dealing with some uh, issues moving forward in terms of teams players not being able to suit up because of contact tracing. I guess there's a board of governors meeting on Tuesday. Uh, so we have no idea if uh, the Thunder are actually going to be playing uh, a home game on Tuesday. Uh, it's all fluid at this point. But uh, as of right now, this will just kind of be a, uh, hey, let's just talk about how this team has started off the season, just initial impressions and all those things. But I thought let's kick off the first weekly edition of the 2020-21 NBA season for the OKC82 podcast with a very special guest. Uh, if you're on Twitter, you know who this person is. Uh, probably the most famous Oklahoma City Thunder fan, I, I would say. Uh, a great follow. He's very interactive with fans and just uh, you can always count on seeing his Thunder Up uh, tweet right at tip off at least. Uh, there have been times where it's been a road game and I'm busy with other things and I just, I get the wrong tip off for whatever reason in my head. And I see, uh, this, this, uh, this man, Billy Martin, uh, musician extraordinaire. You may remember him or just know him from his uh, time with good Charlotte. But I mean, if you follow him on Twitter, he is a busy, busy musician doing a ton of awesome projects. Uh, but there've been times where I get the wrong tip off in my head and I see that you've tweeted and I'm like, Oh God, I got to go find a TV. But Billy, thank you for jumping on the show, man. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, thanks, man. It's like become superstition for me. If I forget to do my little thunder up hashtag before tip off, then I'm like, oh, they're going to lose the game. I forgot to do it. You know, so yes, there's definitely times where it might be a few minutes into the first quarter and it hits me like, oh, God, I didn't do it. So, hey, good to know it helps some other people, too. So that's funny. Thanks for having me, though, man. You know, I, yeah. I love I love getting yeah. to talk thunder. Oh, yeah. Um, and I guess just for those that just aren't aware of why you exactly are a thunder fan, because you're not from Oklahoma. Because I've had friends that, you know, see you and I kind of talk talk to each other on Twitter, and I'll have friends ask, like, how do you know him, and why is he rooting for Oklahoma City? Is he from Oklahoma? And I, I'm just like, no, but I'll just let you go ahead and tell your little Thunder origin story, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. So Oklahoma is, is a really special place to me. That's where my, my wife is from. So my wife moved from Oklahoma City uh, with her mom to Maryland in high school. Um, so she left either ninth or 10th grade. I can't remember. Uh, and she moved and we went to high school together. So my wife and I have been married for over 20 years. We met each other in high school and we have been together ever since. So she's been on my whole ride with me from, you know, when I was little band that nobody cared about up to like, you know, a successful career. And, you know, now we have two kids and an awesome family together. But yeah, so we, we've been visiting Oklahoma or I've been visiting there for over 20 years, just going back. She has tons of cousins in Norman, um, you know, she lived in Edmond for a while, Oklahoma City, so I just, I know Oklahoma really well, it's like a second home to me, I love it there, and I'm just like a a basketball fanatic, I don't, you talk to me about football, baseball, golf, hockey, I'm like, cool, you know, I'm kind of lost, but you talk basketball, and I'm like, it's like in my blood, I, I just love basketball, so as a kid, I was always a Magic fan. I loved Shaq and Penny. That was just my team. I grew up in Maryland. So, you know, Maryland has, D.C. has a team, but D.C. is kind of yeah. like its own thing. It's not Maryland. You know, it's like it's the city that's sort of in between, you know, Maryland, Virginia. So I never really felt like I had a home team growing up. So I always would go by whichever team had my favorite player. So I was always, you know, a Magic fan as a kid. And then I moved to L.A. in early 2000. So I was a Lakers fan when... 
you know, it was Kobe's prime time, a little after Shaq had left, but like Kobe when it was um, like Jordan Farmar, Lamar Odom, Pau Gasol, that, that, that era of Kobe where he was dominating and I, and I was watching the Lakers. And then Oklahoma got a team. So my wife was like, oh, I'm, I'm ditching the Lakers and going full thunder. And I'm like, okay, cool, you know. So for the first season, I stayed a Lakers fan, and we went to the game when it was Lakers Thunder, and we had have a picture where I'm all all Lakers gear, and she's got all her Thunder gear on. Um, but it took me one season. After after season two, I like traded all my Lakers stuff in. And I was like, you know what, babe, let's go. If you're a Thunder fan, I'm a Thunder fan. So I kind of went all in on the Thunder like right away since day one. And who knew that they would have drafted such like incredible players and just like that. Thunder fans know if you've been there from day one, it's a really exciting team to follow. And, you know, so, yeah, just Oklahoma's kind of like a second home to me, and I love basketball, so it just just makes sense that I'm a Thunder fan. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously that's awesome, and I think there are a lot of Oklahoma City fans uh, internationally or just across the country in, in America that kind of have a similar story to that, whether they just – you know, they, they hit that time in their life when they're, you know, early teens, and then that's when Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook blew up, and that's why they root for them. Or they have family that's from Oklahoma like you sure. do, and it just kind of makes sense that way. And it's also interesting that you mentioned that you kind of ditched your Laker gear for Thunder gear in Season 2 because that's when the Thunder made the playoffs for the first time, and it was against the Lakers in a series where the Lakers won a highly entertaining series. I can still remember that. That was so much fun because, I mean, everybody knows, and they're probably annoyed that – people that listen to this podcast that I'm not a Thunder fan. I always mention that for whatever reason. Uh, but it wasn't that way the entire time. Like when the Thunder got here, I was a Miami Heat fan and then I rooted for both teams and then LeBron went to Miami. I'm not a big LeBron James fan. I think he's the best basketball player I've ever seen, but I'm not a big fan of his. So I just ditched the Heat and went all in with the Thunder and that playoff series against the Lakers. And then of course their, uh, their rise eventually to getting to the finals then afterwards until 2016 when uh, after before Kevin Durant left I mean those were some of my most fondest sports memories even more so than maybe like oh like college football which is big here uh, Oklahoma Sooner football Oklahoma State football probably some of more of my fondest memories which probably coincides with the fact that I was in college and drinking all the time and so maybe maybe that's why but I mean those those memories are really special to me, but it's, it's, I mean, what, what was going on with you when the Thunder were playing the Lakers in the playoffs in, uh, what was it? 2010. Yeah. Well, we went to, we definitely went to one of those games. I mean, I've, I've seen, I've seen the Thunder in person, like at least 20 times. Like I'll go anytime they would come to where I was at, I would go. And I've seen them at Chesapeake a bunch of times too, but yeah, I mean, that was exciting just because like who knew that like this little team from Oklahoma would get so good so fast and bring so much national attention with with these young stars but yeah. i agree too that i think it was the most exciting time in sports for me um just i guess maybe because when you're a little kid like when i like Shaq and Penny i was still in like middle school or something so i couldn't like watch every single game no matter what time they were on there weren't as much ways to watch t games on tv if you weren't in the city that the team was from so i think the difference is as i got older i could like commit as much time as i wanted to to the team and at that point in my life in 2010 you know i could do what i wanted and i watched every game and just really like studied the stats and just dove in really really hard with the team and you know to the point where I just kept looking at my wife being like how do you have me so obsessed over this Oklahoma team but like it's my whole life you know like I even have a thunder tattoo you know I mean I I, li I live for this team at this point so it's 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 cool man it's it's anyone who's listening to the podcast gets it because they're just an exciting team yeah I mean the thunder back then were infectious just because of their young talent and just how fun they were to watch and even now I mean nine games in the season this is a rather infectious group I mean you you look at anybody that covers the NBA like for ESPN for the ringer uh, just bigger bigger people than I am in terms of covering the NBA and whenever the Thunder kind of crosses their radar they kind of come away with going hey like check out this Thunder team even though we all kind of have an idea of how this movie's going to end with this season especially with the January schedule coming up it is a oh boy <laughs> yeah they, yeah, get, they get hit really hard tough, in January. But, I mean, despite that, like, this is a team that plays hard. This is a team that has young, exciting talent on it, not necessarily to the extent of a Kevin Durant or a Russell Westbrook with how athletically freakish and unique those two players were. I mean, but, but there's still a lot of young talent to be excited for on this team. And, 
Um, they're, they're just a team that people across the country that if you like basketball, you should just check them out sometime. And even though it's kind of a cliche thing to say, well, they play hard or they, they hustle. I mean, you truly feel that way when you watch this team in person, um, which now I, I feel kind of bad saying that since no one's really watching these teams in person. But, um, you know, watching them on TV, you kind of get that same thing. But, I mean, Billy, your, your initial impressions of this team, basically going back to the offseason when we all kind of understood, okay, we know that probably the best thing for this franchise is to get higher draft picks because there are three or four players on this team right now that you probably want on your roster for the next few years at the very least. So you need to add to the talent um, that's already there. So you need to lose games. But like I've said this entire time, Billy, you can think that as a fan, but once these games start and you're sitting down for two and a half hours to watch your favorite team, you don't want to watch them lose. So that all kind of goes out the window once the games start. I mean, absolutely. I hate the idea of tanking. I understand the idea of tanking, but as a fan, that's like the least appealing thing I can think of. I was like, yeah, no. Uh, I mean, A, I don't get... there. There's zero, ga- what, zero national games this year, I believe, right? There was no scheduled games for if you don't live in Oklahoma like me. I live in California, so... You know, so I buy the team pass. I mean, I watch every game no matter what. I mean, I'm annoying to my family to the point where I have to rearrange the day, rearrange my schedule. Like, no, the game's on at 3 o'clock or the game's on at 4 o'clock. Like, we need to be home by that time. Um, so, yeah, you know, like, and then I was thinking at the be- after the first couple games, like, man, did I spend 100 bucks to watch my team <laughs> lose every every game? Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to see my team win. And I was like, this team has so much potential. Uh but last year, everyone thought the Thunder wasn't going to be good. You know, like, oh, sure, they got Chris Paul, but he's washed and the team's falling apart. Nothing's going to happen. And surprise, you know, we did just as good as we did the year before, um, if not better, you know, as far as just teamwork, I think, and developing other players. And and then this season again, I think the Thunder will always surprise people. There's just something about, I guess, that organization, you know, I think whether it's the people who work with the Thunder, the, you know, the Sam, the arena, like players go there and they thrive in Oklahoma. They always talk so positively about the experience. They're happy to be there. And I think a happy team goes really far. You put a bunch of superstars together in an organization where they're not happy and it's going to crumble. You put people together in an organization where everybody's happy and you're probably going to thrive. So I think there just has to be something to be said about just the Thunder organization in general, because people love playing there and we we always are entertained as fans yeah I mean the Thunder have always kind of prided themselves on being a developmental uh, organization from the standpoint of they can take anybody and turn them into something better than how they walk than when they walked into the door the initial time whether that's a player or a coach especially with Mark Dagnall as um, the first year head coach uh, former Oklahoma City Blue coach summer league coach Talked to him a handful of times. I mean, before this season, I thought he was an incredibly smart man, a very sharp uh, attention to detail. And you saw just just going to a few summer, like I've been to two summer leagues so far in Vegas back before the times of plague when we could do fun things like that. Um, But you could certainly tell when players were drafted by Oklahoma City or picked up, you know, in some transaction and they would go to the summer league games. You would have an idea based on what you could see on tape raw athleticism, whatever it may be, but they have this flaw. And then they just go through two weeks under Mark Dagnall, and maybe it was just because I was there and I put too much onus on the eye test, but I really came away with just truly respecting Mark Dagnall's ability to develop players. And basically it just kind of shed my belief that, okay, the Thunder are just saying this. They're just saying that they believe in their developmental system. Really what it's been is they've had Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Paul George, Serge Ibaka, and just phenomenal talents to overwhelm their opponents. But, I mean, nine games into a season uh, is too small of a sample size when you're playing 72 of these damn things, Billy. But um, having said that, I was surprised game one, uh, of course, when the Thunder won in Charlotte. I was surprised uh, just game one seeing how in sync the team was. Now, does that mean that they're going to win a ton of games? No. But for a limited offseason, a shorter offseason, and then a limited training camp, and then, of course, with all the COVID protocols that they have to adhere to, which you know just adds to the mental, emotional stress of playing professional sports, I can imagine, this team is rather in sync, and it has to go to Mark Dagnall. It has to go to the Thunder. You, know, you just got to give them credit in that respect, I think. 
Yeah, I think youth has a lot to come to play with that too. Um, you know, as a as a father, I have two young children and like kids are resilient, you know, like you they bounce back faster. The older you get set in your ways and the older you get used to how you live and what makes you comfortable, I think it's harder to adapt. So you look at a player you know, not to say Horford and Hill are old, but they're older in the league. Like those guys have have gotten used to their protocol of training camp and how the thing works. But some of these other guys are rookies or two years into the league. They don't really know any difference. This is kind of just like what they're learning as they go. And I think that sort of helps a little bit as far as them just like rolling with the punches and like they just want to play you know they don't care about oh we didn't get as much training camp or i didn't get it the special way i like my season set up they're like here's the ball go play basketball and they're like yeah that's what i want to do so i think that in general works in their favor right now and the thunder has some mad talent i mean shay can score I've always loved Diallo. Like I'm I'm a huge fan of the dunk contest. Like that was always a big thing for me. Like I always All-Star weekend, the game's cool and the dunk contest. Like dunking to me is the coolest part of basketball. Like I can't do it, but when I see people <laughs> dunk and do crazy dunks, I'm like, "Oh man, to catch an alley-oop mid-game to me is like my dream, you know? And in Diallo it has crazy athleticism. You know, and you knew that from day 1 going in like as a brand new player and then winning the dunk contest. So I've always thought, okay, that they need to put a little bit more behind him because clearly he has something special. Um, and seeing Diallo break out in the last two games makes me really excited because I just I think it's there. And what was two two games ago where they were down by a whole bunch and Basley came in and after the half and just went nuts. You know, like to see a guy like, you know, between Basley, Shea, uh, Diallo, and then Dort. Of course, we can't forget like what what Dort has been doing is insane. Just. Just he came out of nowhere, you know. It's just this this you know G League player. Like, okay, I guess we'll give him a shot. And I love it when like the underdog gets their name called and they like show up. You know, you get sometimes you get one chance. Like they call your name, either you bring it or you you miss your chance. And Dort's name got called and he brought it two hundred percent last year against the Rockets. And I think everybody put his name on the map. And then he leveled up. He came back this year. Not only is he a beast on defense. But the three-point shooting has been crazy. His like effectiveness to get to the basket and want to get to the basket is crazy to me. So, I don't know. I just was thinking we'll see the same team we saw last year minus Chris Paul, minus Schroeder, minus Steven Adams, which is still hard to talk about. <laughs> it's it's weird. Um, it is weird to see him wear red for the Pelicans. Oh, I know. I know. But I just kind of thought we would pick up where we left off last year. But everyone has leveled up. Diallo's better. Dort is better. Shea is better. Bays is better, and that like to me shows they're working, they're putting the time in, and they want to win, and that's that gets me excited. Yeah, and actually, let's start there with the young guys with uh, Dort, actually, because uh, I mean, you mentioned how he brought it last year, and I don't know if many people are going to remember this one random play, um, but I had it, you know, going back to what I said about summer league development, Mark Dagnall, and you, this was technically not Mark Dagnall, this was uh, Dave Bliss, who's now an assistant coach um, for basketball fans I feel like I have to say this it's not that Dave Bliss from Baylor it's a completely different human being he's much bigger than the Dave Bliss that uh, you might be thinking about uh, but this uh, this particular coach he was the summer league coach last year when Lou Dort first joined the Thunder and I came away just going that guy has a motor I don't know what he is as a basketball player um, if but if he, if he can harness his athleticism into making basketball plays that's going to be great that was my kind of problem with Terrence Ferguson he was a phenomenal athlete, but for whatever reason, he just could not harness his athleticism and put it to good use on the basketball floor. I think Hamadou Diallo has made steps in that direction. I don't know if he's there yet. He's a little too inconsistent for my taste, but he's had two amazing games in a row, and he's helped the Thunder win those both games on the road. So uh, things are pointing up for Hami, but uh, with Lou, it was just kind of the same thing. If he can harness that and turn it into basketball play, I think the Thunder have something here, uh, but you might you, you'll definitely remember the game. It was the game against Minnesota, where Chris Paul called uh, for the uh, untucking of the jersey, which yeah, led to all the uh, the hijinks, the circus of uh, Den- Stephen Adams throwing the uh, touchdown pass to Dennis Schroeder to tie the game and force overtime. Oh yeah, overtime. yeah, that was amazing. That was amazing. Yeah, in a game where the Thunder had no business even getting into overtime, the, the Timberwolves outplayed them. The Thunder made a made a uh, made a run late, and it's you know Chris Paul kind of set all this up, but. Lou Dort, I think this was either his first or his second game with the Thunder. I think Terrence Ferguson had been hurt, and they called up Lou Dort on his two-way deal to basically just fill in. Uh, Lou didn't do anything really of note in the box score, I don't recall. 
But I was actually down on the baseline getting ready for the game to end to go talk to Billy Donovan in the, at the podium after the game. And so I'm, I'm standing right behind the goal, and there was a loose ball. And Lou Dort chased after it, had no business getting to it. I mean, I think there was a – I can't remember who it was from Minnesota. They had the ball basically like right in front of them. Lou just jumps out of nowhere and grabs it with like his pinky and his ring finger and corrals it somehow – and then Billy Donovan calls a timeout, and then that kind of helps set into motion what ultimately happened. And I just thought, oh, my God, that was incredible. And yeah. that effort, he's harnessed that effort and that athleticism into positive basketball play. Now, I still don't know what he's going to become, but you just mentioned it, and I've talked about this a zillion times, whether on this podcast or on the radio. I love that he's fearless. I love that when he puts the ball on the floor, he looks like he knows what the hell he's doing. Uh, he doesn't look scared. He doesn't look timid. He does everything with purpose, and he is a team basketball player, and if he needs to get the basket, he can do that. So, um, I, I mean, I don't know, but just as a fan, do you already put him in that category of Shea and Darius? They are going to be a part of the future for the next four to five years at the very least. Do you put him in that category, or are you still kind of like in wait-and-see mode with him? No question. I mean, this season so far – I think Dort has outplayed Baisley personally, you know, like I've seen more moves, you know, Baisley had it that one game, but like in the last game, Baisley was kind of quiet. He wasn't really like, didn't make a huge presence in the, in the Nets game to me, you know? Um, but Dort was all over. I feel like Dort's been all over the place every game. He's his three point shot has been there. His driving his defense. Like there's never been a game where for, sometimes I feel like you have to let like, like you can intentionally watch the game or intently watch the game or if you're casually watching the game, say you're like getting dinner ready or doing something else, you can get the, feel the presence of what players are dominating. You hear the, yeah. the people saying their name. Every time you look up, they're doing something. And there's never a game this season where I haven't felt that from Dort. Like at some point, he is like putting his stamp on. And maybe Baisley's had a couple great games, a couple quiet games. So yes, as far as... The future of this team, I think the four players we've talked about, I think that those four players like should should be built around. You know, as far as yeah, some of the rookies, um, some of them I think are awesome. Some I'm still not quite sure where the hype is. You know, um, <laughs> I think I know so, who you're talking about. <laughs> is it is it really tall and skinny? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I want it to be awesome. I see the hype, but I just I haven't seen it. You know. And I'm, I'm, I don't ever like to talk bad about anybody because I know we are all humans and we are all out here trying to do the best that we can. Um, but, you know, uh, Theo, Teo, however you want to say it, um, I guess it's Teo, right? That's how he says it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think he's got something awesome. Um, uh, I think he, he really brings a lot. I know um, Isaiah is not a rookie. Um, he was there last year, right? He just didn't play a lot. Or well, I, I, like, what's the deal with him? Yeah, was he on yeah, the Thunder? Yeah. He got traded, or he was there last year? He would bounce back and forth between the blue, maybe because I know the face and the name, but I just I never saw him play. Yeah, he got traded to Oklahoma City right before the uh, pandemic officially began in the United States. So okay, this is okay, a, right. essentially this is before the Jazz game that never happened. Um, oh, okay, okay. That's, and, so that's why I was like, wait, I know that name and the face. I was like, he's been on the Thunder, but I okay. So I think obviously he's had a couple great games. Um, another rookie technically i guess um who i think has a lot of potential uh you know and then there's you know th th i'm trying to think who who, who else are our other rookies who else uh, i guess williams is not a rookie he's what a second or third year player yes that's right okay. ty jerome who hasn't played yet the, okay uh, right i haven't who and, came and, over from the suns he's a second year player and then moses brown who's only had a, a little bit of playtime too i'm not really sure but but yeah. williams like he, his hustle is insane i don't think i've ever seen a player who gives as much as he gives you know like he might not be a scoring threat or you know i'm not sure what his role is but if he gets called into the game he's given 200 percent the entire time he's in the game and I, I love seeing players who play like that so a lot a lot a lot, lot of potential there yeah and that's kind of the hope that i that i just kind of threw onto the thunder fan base that hey if this team is going to lose a lot at least I guess the hope would be at least the majority of these games can be competitive. So you can look at that and say, hey, once these guys figure it out, once they get older, like the guys that are going to be a part of the franchise moving forward, that's going, that's only going to be better. It's better than getting blown out and embarrassed by 20 every single night. Then you just get a losing culture. Oklahoma City wants nothing to do with that. But also, you just in the short term, you're engaged because you're watching a basketball game and your team has a chance to win 
Um, you know, in under two minutes, it's a possession or two game, and the majority of the Thunder's nine games have been that. Whether they've won them, oh yeah, or lost them, I think they've only really been blown out of the water one really once. bad loss. Yeah, yeah, it was that loss in Miami. To and Miami, then, right? That's the bad one. Yeah. No, I, I mean it, it's a fun team to watch, and I guess before we get to the bad stuff, I did want to kind of touch on Diallo and Baisley a little bit because uh, everybody already knows SGA. I mean, we don't need to throw praise at him other than that god that awesome move he had on the baseline last night where he just faked it inside and then went back under flipped it up behind his head I mean that dude is one of the best finisher like finishers of unique uh layups in the game let's just and I even heard like one of the commentators said in the game he was like he never finishes the same like you don't ever see the same move from Shea like whether it's an up and under or euro step or straight you know uh, where was there was another move yesterday where he faked left and cut right and he just had the whole lane he just like just walked right in and, and like it was such a smooth layup and no one even saw it coming like he, he definitely gets to the basket like crazy but okay we'll move on from Shea we know it Shea's our yeah. star and I'll say this now since Billy's not the coach of the Thunder anymore but um, I was talking to him um, after a scrum up against the wall at one point some point last year and I was talking uh, to or I was just asking a little bit further on Shea's ability to finish because you know Billy would always talk about like the his ability to put the English on the ball and uh, just finish and just with weird angles. And I just I showed him like a clip of him doing it. And I was just I was like, have you ever just ever seen him do this in practice? Or is this something that when the, the lights come on, he can just do it? And we watched it. And Billy just kind of looked at me and said, that's some good shit right there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that guy's on my team, you know? Yeah, no, it's uh, I, I miss Billy. But um, I will say for Darius Baisley, because I've been incredibly high on him since I saw him at Summer League last year. Um, I had no expectations for him going into it because, you know, it's well documented. He didn't play in college. He didn't play overseas. So all we had to go off was high school hype and the fact that he was a five-star going to Syracuse before he um, ultimately went and took a New Balance uh, internship, paid internship position for a year. Um, I will say, like, you're right. Like, he's he's been outperformed in terms of, like, by Lou Dort in terms of having good games to bad games this season. I think that there's no question, because even when Lou Dort's not scoring, he brings it on the defensive side of the ball. So um, that's been been the case, excuse me. But uh, I will say for Darius, he has probably the toughest job on the team outside of SGA, where SGA is running the whole team. It's he, he is responsible for the winning and the losing as the face of the franchise and the point guard. But Darius is out there guarding Jimmy Butler. He's out there guarding Kevin Durant last night. Um, he He's guarding essentially players, for the most part, the best player on the, on the opponent, opposing team and players who may not be the best team player on the team that they're playing, but guys that are just physically more mature than he is. So he's going to be out of place. He's going to look bad a lot of times. But the thing that's really kept me afloat with him is that He's getting beat because he's just simply not as good as the guy he's going up against yet. He's not getting beat because he doesn't know what he's doing. He's not in the right spot. He's rotating poorly. He's getting beat because Kevin Durant's really effing good. He's getting beat because Jimmy Butler is just really effing good. So that, to me, is giving me hope because I don't see Darius, like, personality-wise, as somebody to see all that bad tape and see a lot more bad tape to come this season and have that affect his mood, his personality, and his play on the floor. He's just going to be somebody that's going to absorb all that, I think, and come out better on the other side. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, obviously, you you have a much more insider look than I do, and I'm very jealous about that. Um, but, yeah, I, I love Basley. I mean, I I've, I liked him last year. Uh, I thought, oh, there's so much potential there, and uh, I, I love seeing, I mean, especially that, was it against the Pelicans when he had that really good quarter? Where he came in after the half and he had eleven, yeah, he had 11 points, points in like in the first... thirty seconds or something, like you know, the first minute or something. I mean, that just yeah, not a lot of players can do that. You know what I mean? Just to come in and be like, oh, watch this. Let me turn it up a little bit. Let me try a little bit and then have it happen. So yeah, the the future is bright with this team. Super bright with this team. I I, I worry a little bit about our uh, strength, height, and thickness. You know what I mean? We're like kind oh, of yeah. like a, a thin team. You know, whereas Horford being like our biggest big i guess you know as far as centers go i mean some of the other guys are just like skinny you know but but i'm like we don't have adams we don't have noel you know we don't have just even when it was adams and Cantor, just the one-two punch underneath of just like big guys who could 
defend. And so, so that's the thing I, I get nervous a little bit about. Our paint protection is not there this season. So, um, you know, we're, we're – and I often – maybe you can tell me this. Like, I'm always confused why Horford's at the top of the key all the time. I'm like, you're the only chance we have of having a big guy under the rim, and he's always up at the top of the, the key. Yeah, like, I, I think it's uh, one of two ways. So I was actually going to bring this up about Darius. He's 23rd in the NBA in rebounding. So he, out of every player, he is 23rd in the NBA. <laughs> great. So he's averaging just yeah. above eight rebounds a game, uh, which at this point is incredible. Uh, it just shows his ability to, like, his fearlessness getting to the, just hitting the defensive glasses. I mean, the majority of them are defensive rebounds. But um, when you have that understanding that, okay, we've got a guy in Darius Baisley who's not afraid to get in the trees and get the rebound, so we can utilize Al Horford's best trait, which is he's a great passer, he has great vision, and offensively speaking, he is most effective and most dangerous when he is at the three-point line, just floor stretching. And when you have a starting five that basically everybody on paper, and I, I stress on paper because Lou Dort can be hot or extremely cold, but everybody in the starting five can shoot. Well, you want to keep stretching the floor even with a big like Al Horford because he's not going to bully anybody. He's not going to bully other centers in this league at this point in his career. Uh, but I, I think the way that SGA, Lou Dort, and even Darius Baisley, George Hill at times can attack, if they have a just a leak out pass to an Al Horford who's around the top of the key. I mean, that's where you want to find him is wide open uh, trailing, trailing true. a play. So I think that, that yeah, true. you know, it's one of two ways it's because of Darius and because Al Horford is a great floor stretching big. And Al is actually um, a little bit behind Darius rebounding. I think he's getting seven boards a game, but um, yeah, the thunder, they're not going to really destroy anybody in the paint, but that's kind of the, that's kind of by design, and, and that's, there's that's not what... not every team in the league is like that. You know, the team has the lead. The in general, the NBA has gotten smaller. You know, like there used to be a Shaq or a wannabe Shaq on every team. You know, like that was just the way it went. You know, you got your giant yeah. big man in the middle, but there's there's kind of so few of it left. I guess there was always just that comfort in knowing, well, no matter what, Stephen Adams is going to be standing in the middle and terrifying teams to go into the paint. You know, whether he was. Scoring or not, he's still one of the biggest guys in the NBA and strongest guys in the NBA. So um, I miss that 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 you know rim protection kind of bulliness of having a big center. But you know they're adapting and they're and they're playing. And speaking of, you mentioned George Hill. I don't think we can not mention how awesome he's been too. You know, like he's he's brought a huge help on offense. His shooting has been really great so far. Oh yeah, and th that's the thing about George Hill. Um, unfortunately for Oklahoma City, like when he's good, he's good and the Thunder are probably going to win those games where he's good. Um, but the drop-off, and it's not necessarily a drop-off in that he shoots the Thunder out of games. He just He's so smart and he understands I don't have it tonight, so I'm just not going to bother. I'm going to go try and find somebody else. There was that shoot, one right? play. Uh, yeah, that, there, was, there was that one play where, um, oh gosh, it wasn't against the Nets. It was against the Knicks where I think Lou Dort, no, 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 it wasn't Lou Dort. It was, I think SGA or Darius found him cutting to the basket, and he was wide open under the basket. And instead of like getting a layup, an easy layup, um, albeit what I remember yeah, exactly, the albeit play with a ton about. of momentum, yes. like it would have been somewhat of a tough finish, even though he was wide open. He just dished it out to Lou Dort in the corner to shoot a three, because you know it's twenty twenty one basketball. You know you got to shoot threes, and Lou misses it, and it's just right. like. George, I know you're not scoring that much tonight, but just take the easy one. Just take the easy one. I'm pretty sure I was yelling at my TV. How are you not going to shoot that? You're right there. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of yelling at my TV. <laughs> I'm sure you're the same. You know, my and luckily, you know, my my wife is uh, semi tolerant. She watches every game with me. You know, she's not quite as into the stats and, and craziness that I am, but she watches every game with me and, you know, loves loves her Oklahoma. So it's, you know, she just has to deal with me yelling at the TV a lot. That's just kind of the, uh, I mean, that's just kind of the thing with sports. It, 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 oh, it was my dad. My whole life, my dad is really into football. That's like his sport. And, you know, my whole life, my dad would be pacing the room and yelling at the TV. And I'm always like, oh, that's so weird, yeah. you know, like who does that? And me, like having a lot long hair and a guitar and I was like, I'm going to be in a band and I don't like sports anyways. And I don't get it, you know? And then later in my life, uh, sports found their way, but I was really into basketball at a young age and I, I missed like an era, you know, when I really got into music and stuff like that and started playing guitar, uh, and you know, all the, you know, the jock kids at school were not the nicest that made me just not be into sports. So like I missed the whole, like Allen Iverson era of basketball. Yeah. 
Um, and sometimes I'm, I'm sad about that. You know, like I had the mid nineties with, you know, uh, you know, obviously like Jordan era I was there for then Shaq and Penny I was really into, but then there's like the, I guess sort of like Allen Iverson, uh, who else are some of the big guys in, in that era? Tim Hardaway, maybe, right? Was he big in that era, too? Tim Tim Hardaway. I mean, Riley's Knicks were great. I mean, the Heat the Heat and the Knicks rivalry was really fun. I, I mean, I was a little too young. Like, basically, my earliest NBA memories are right after Michael Jordan retired. Okay. Like, I, I, I grew up a Miami Dolphins fan, and so once I got into basketball when I was, like, 9 or 10, I thought, you know, Oklahoma doesn't have a team. I don't want to root for the Mavericks because I, like, screw Texas. Right. Uh, but – in order to stay consistent, I guess I'll root for the Miami basketball team. So that's kind of the origin to that. But um, yes, like earliest memories are going to be like right after Michael Jordan. And I will say this, like I get that you're probably bummed that you missed out on that generation of uh, NBA, but I will tell you just by looking at it, you know, from, you know, the past or from the future and looking back on it, uh, it wasn't the most entertaining uh, era of basketball. Okay, okay. I mean, there were that makes me feel I mean, better. Finals Thank games you. were being won like eighty-two to seventy-six. Right, <laughs> not even not even that much score. <laughs> it was so. just it was just yeah, that's just funny. a different brand. That's but uh, I, I did want to I did kind of want to touch on that what you just mentioned uh, because as somebody who you know loves basically the same music that you play, I mean, that you uh, became famous for in Good Charlotte. I mean, like hard rock, punk rock, metal, you know, you name it. That's Yes, I know you play guitar, too, and I know you're a big music fan, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I play guitar. I'm not a musician by any means. I just, I can... If you play the guitar, you're a musician, so... Oh, yeah, you're making me blush, Billy. I appreciate that. But (laughs) um, I will say, like, of all the musicians that I, you know, follow or worship, I mean, whatever you want to call it, um, I'm always kind of shocked that very few of them love sports and it just seems like okay I guess that is something that what you mentioned where um if you are a big enough musician to make make it a professional career like you like you have certainly had I guess maybe there were some things that happened in high school that made you just kind of shy away from sports for whatever reason it just never really became a part of their livelihood or something they just didn't care about and then of course most of the musicians that I uh, follow or care about they are from the west coast and not everybody on the west coast views sports like like us down here in the whatever you want to consider oklahoma the southwest the south the midwest you know i, I don't yeah. know what it is to you but uh it's just well, i tease i tease my wife about it. she's always talking about from being the south i'm like you're from the middle like that's not the south <laughs> you know I'm it's like although it has a lot of southern tendencies in oklahoma but you're yeah. right it is kind of a bit of a mixing pot exactly uh but you know, like have you ever felt I mean, because obviously you and I move in such different circles, but have you ever just felt out of place with your sports fandom when when you're just, I don't know, like on a tour bus or, you know, hanging out with musicians backstage back when concerts were a thing? Hopefully they can come back later on this oh, year, I hope. I hope that too. But uh, have you ever just felt out of place? Like, hey, did you watch the game last night? And people are just like, huh, what? Kind of. Um, you know, th- there there's, you always like find the people that are your people. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah. but it's funny because like uh, people see me wearing Thunder stuff and like oh you're a Thunder fan and they start talking basketball and then they're like oh did you see like the whatever Jet something game and I'm like oh you already lost me because you switched sports <laughs> you know like I'm go back to basketball and we're still good um, but yeah like I, I'll I don't know I think there's actually a lot of sports fans in music um, I think it it maybe it takes time you know like like I was saying as a kid I was super into basketball and sports I played on teams I like. Every day I was wearing my favorite sports team shirts and I was all about it. And then, you know, you could just do rec, you know, just youth basketball, you know. And and then once I got to the point where I was in ninth grade, I guess, you can't just do youth basketball anymore. At that point, you have to try out for the high school team. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try out. And I remember I walked into tryouts and I had like hair down on my shoulder, like long hair. I was already into like skateboarding and bands, but I loved basketball. So I walked into tryouts and I had like a like a sweatband to hold my hair back. And I walked in. Within like 30 seconds, these dudes came up to me like, "What the hell are you doing here? Like, you're not trying out for the team. Like, we, you can't. Like, like they gave me so much shit for going to the tryouts that I was like, God. okay, I guess I'm not. And I turned around and left. I didn't even try out for the team. And from that point on, I just was like, I don't do sports. Like, that's not my thing. I, I just totally threw it in. And I was like, I'm gonna go all in on this music thing. I'm not into sports. And yeah, I would think there's probably a lot of other musicians who have had similar instances like that. 
But then later in my life, when you realize like, okay, they probably all like have a job that they hate and I get to tour the world with my best friends and play music. So I won, you know, and um, okay, I can have basketball back now. And I don't have that same uh, hate or connotation for athletes anymore because, you know, high school is stupid. But yes, I would do think a lot of musicians probably have a similar trajectory. And of course, there's tons of guys on tour who are just like, oh, dude, I don't do sports. Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And they don't. But then you'll find, like, yeah. the one dude in each band, like, oh, our drummer is super into basketball. Or, oh, yeah, like, our bass player is a big football fan. And you should introduce him to this dude in your band who likes football. So you, you'll find your people on tour and stuff like that. Um, I have a couple other friends from bands uh, or just touring guys, like a, a videographer we worked with for a long time. Uh, he's like a massive NBA fan, and he and I, you know, we text all the time after crazy games, and um, he's a Lakers fan. Though. All my friends are Lakers fans. That's the problem. I just want to talk basketball all the time, and, like, none of my friends are Thunder fans. So these kind of podcasts are are fun. When you're like, do you want to do a podcast? I was like, yeah, of course, because then I get to talk about my team, you oh, know? Yeah. So, so yeah, you, you, you'll find your people. But um, I'd definitely say it's kind of half and half with, you know, musicians if they're into sports or not. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, the – the most I could ever pull from something of like, oh yeah, that guy that I love roots for one of my favorite teams, um, in terms of musicians would probably have to be, I mean, Jerry Cantrell's dad is from Oklahoma, from Allison. Right. Yes, and, I knew that. That's right. Right. And um, what was it? This had to be, I think, 2015, 2016. I, I went and saw Allison Chains in Oklahoma City, and right before they played Rooster, Jerry brought his dad out. Because uh, he lives around, I, I think somewhere in South Oklahoma, and he came out in an OU hat, and I'm just a uh, University of Oklahoma hat, and I'm just like, oh yes, Jerry at least is around Oklahoma football in some way, so I'm gonna claim that. So nice, that's of course. Uh, that's cool for me. But no, it's um, it's interesting. I mean, I, I always appreciate hearing people, you know, their their stories of how they became fans, because I mean, just like with me, if I if I ever went down to Miami, I've actually never been to the city, uh, but if I went down to Miami and ran into some people at a bar and said, yeah, I'm a Heat and a Dolphins fan, and they heard me talk, they would say, where the hell are you from? Like, why are you rooting for the Heat and the <laughs> Dolphins? And, you know, then you just kind of connect on, oh, yeah, this is why. So, um, And I know a lot of Oklahoman uh, sports fans that live here, you know, they especially appreciate and love that somebody, um, you know, as popular as you have become in your career, as, uh, you know, talented and uh, that you have become, rooting for a team in Oklahoma city, you know, being from Maryland now living in Southern California. I mean, that that's awesome. I mean, Oklahomans love to hear stories like that. So just that connection, that's what sports is kind of all about as corny and cliche as that sounds. I mean, it's really fun, but I will say before I get you out of here, Billy, I did want, cause we, we did nothing but talk about glowing things about this young thunder team. But now we, we got to talk about the real, now we can handle the real <laughs> issues. Right? Well, we, we, we kind of teased the January schedule, but I, I don't know how big you are on numbers um, i'm just going to rattle off some numbers and you can they can just go over your head or um, i'll basically just do my best to explain what they all mean uh right at the end but i will say um the thunder are five and four but here are some stats that i kind of follow you know throughout the season they have the 27th off um they, they're the 27th ranked team in terms of offensive efficiency they're uh, point differential is minus four, so basically they're bas they're losing games by an average of four points overall, even though they're five and four. Um, and it's really easy to understand what they're trying to do because we already talked about how small and thin they are. So they're basically just trying to say, let's chuck up a ton of threes, and while we may might not make a high percentage of them, if we just chuck a bunch of them, if we make a ton of them, you know, raw numbers wise, it can increase our margin for error. And they've certainly succeeded at that with their ball movement and how in sync they've been. They're the third-ranked team in the NBA in terms of three-point attempts, uh, just around 40 a game, which is incredible. I mean, the Bucks lead the league, and they're shooting 48, so that's some perspective. Uh, they've made, on average, 13, like just under 40. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to throw that at you. Um, they've just going to say that the, the, I felt like the the three-point shooting for the Thunder this year, it's 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 just different. Like, it's got to be the best three-point season. I know we're nine games in, but I feel like it's the strongest three-point shooting I've, I've maybe ever seen, like, period, in the, the Thunder's whole career. Yeah, just because everybody in the starting five can basically shoot on paper. You know, they don't right, have an yeah. Andre Robertson or a Terrence Ferguson who might be incredibly timid at shooting a three. So that they have that going for them. But they've made 
just under 14 a game, which is good enough for 11th in the league. And their points per game, which is basically 105 points per game, 40% or 40, 40 of their points of their 105 points come from three-point land. So, again, it's simple. Ball movement, chuck up threes, hopefully you make a ton. That'll give us a chance at the end. That That is the Thunder's philosophy. Um, a little bit better news. Offensive rating, as of right now, they're 11th in the league. Defensive rating, they're 7th for a net rating of 13th, which surprised me. So they're about a good middle-of-the-pack team, which is what they've balanced out to at this point. But here's their schedule. Spurs, bad team, playing in Oklahoma City. Should be a Thunder win based on what we've seen thus far. Sure. And, and then the Lakers. The Bulls, who are a surprise this year, in my opinion. The Sixers, who we have no idea what they're going to look like because I don't know if... If they even have enough guys, right? Yeah. Exactly. But then they go on a one, two, three, four, five game road trip against the Nuggets, two games in a row against the Clippers, the Blazers, Chris Paul and the Suns, and then they round out January with a rematch against Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. So, I mean, Billy, people are asking this question. Are, should the Thunder just have the same idea that they had last year where Sam Presti watched the first 10 or so games of that team and thought, you know what, I want to see where this goes. I, I like what I have here. I want to see where this goes. Should they have that uh, Should they have that same philosophy, or should they have a more realistic thing of, this is fun right now, but this could potentially be derailed, and it's just simply because the talent just isn't there? Well, personally, I, you know... I would like, oh, I don't know, I'm trying to get my words together. I would prefer to attract A-level talent with how good these youngsters are than to just tank and continue to build over a few years. I would much rather have this team, as they are, fight, 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 and have a bunch of people go, you know what? Okay, there's always going to be like five elite teams or something who are like, okay, these five teams are the elite teams, and those are the people who have the chance. But then there's the next chance team, and I think... There's got to be some like crazy scorer or like star player on some other team who thinks, but you know what team out there has got the most potential? It's the Thunder, and I want to go and play with those guys. So I'd love to see them just kind of fight it out instead of him just being like, oh, this isn't working. We have to we have to blow it up. Um, but I think I think you know, like you said, they can beat the Spurs. I think they can beat the Bulls. I don't know how the Bulls are doing so good. Maybe it's the Billy Donovan effect, but obviously the Bulls are doing really good. The Clippers will be hard. The Lakers will be hard. Um, what was the team you said? Uh, two Nuggets games in a row, right? It's and the then... Nug- Nuggets and two Clippers games in a row. Okay. Yeah. Portland. I think they could beat Portland, too. I mean, Thunder Thunder Portland has been a fun series, but it's going to be Just a much... because it's, a, you know, on paper, no. I think they'll get crushed. But Portland has always had so much star potential, and then they still lose all the time. So I still like don't ever put all my bags and be like, oh, Portland will crush us. I think that could go. I mean, obviously, Dame can score like crazy. He just can score, 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 you know, and so can CJ. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just being really optimistic to think that's I mean, one they could maybe take. Um, but I don't know. Uh, Paul George also I mean, is a streaky player, you know, although I – you know, he started out rough this year. Uh, he's had a couple of really great games since. But if Paul George just has one of those nights where he doesn't show up, you know, maybe. Uh, but, you know, then he's got like three other guys on the team who can score really good too. So I don't know. That is a, that's a really rough stretch. But it's a good test for them too. What are they going to do in those games? Let, let's see what these guys do when you put them up against the best of the best. And then maybe you sit back and say, okay, now I have a better idea of what this team's going to be like because – we've seen them play all the best teams, you know? Yeah, and it's important to note that the last time the Thunder played the Lakers, basically the last time Lou Dort saw LeBron James, it was in the bubble, and Lou Dort shut LeBron James down. That's true, that's right. And the Thunder destroyed L.A., so we'll see if Lou Dort is, in fact, a LeBron James stopper um, in a few nights on Wednesday. Again, assuming that the NBA doesn't put a a slight pause on the season. Uh, I hope not, because I'm looking forward to uh, seeing LeBron James in person, but um, we will get there when we get there, but... Uh, I'll just say this. I think I don't think it's I don't think it's widely op- wildly optimistic to think, hey, the Thunder can be in a lot of these games late. They they can put themselves in position if they hit a ton of threes because they're going to take a ton of them. But if they can hit a ton of them, um, they can put themselves in position to make this a game in the final two minutes. And I think that's I think that's 
not just a realistic kind of defeatist attitude to have. I think it's a great attitude to have because you want to see Darius Baisley either succeed or fail against the Lakers. You want to see Lou Dort either succeed or fail against teams with the talent of the LA Clippers because if they succeed, oh my God, look at their foundation already. If they fail, hey, go back and watch it on film and just get better, get smarter, uh, get bigger over time because these kids are 19, 20, 21 years old. They're going to get bigger and stronger and faster. So it's house money, in my opinion, with the Thunder fan base. You either watch your team win and you're pleasantly surprised and, and hype, or they lose and you're thinking, you know what, you know, Cade Cunningham could potentially happen, and that that wouldn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but the one other thing I, I meant to mention in on that is how much I think teams underestimate the Thunder and how much that plays in their That's favor, true. too. You know, that teams come in thinking like, oh, we got a bunch of babies. This is easy. We could probably bring our, our B game and still clean up here. And then the Thunder, the Thunder's going to bring their A-plus game every game, no matter what team they're playing. And I think that sometimes when they went last night against the Nets, I think the Nets did not realize how hard they were going to have to to play to take out. I mean, sure, Kyrie wasn't there. And sure, that's probably was another 30 points they would have had on the board. But um who knows? You know, um, I do think underestimating a young team works in their favor. So we'll see, man. Uh, I will certainly be there watching every game with my fingers crossed and um, hope, hoping for the best. So um, I'm, I'm excited to see what these guys will do. Aren't we all? We are all excited just because, uh, I mean, with the Thunder, they're, they're not a dull franchise to follow. Uh, there's always something going on with Sam Presti and friends. So, uh, uh, it's going to be Sam is a wizard for sure. Exactly. It's going to be fun to follow. And uh, Billy, once again, thank you so much for uh, being able to jump on the podcast. I truly appreciate it. We tried. I tried Anytime. to get you on. I tried to get you on during the bubble. And I think I think it just kind of came down to the Thunder getting eliminated. And that, that's why it just did. Just happen. ran out of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, literally, man, anytime you want me, if you have someone who's drops out or one of your guys can't be there or you need someone man i love getting like i said it's something i don't get to talk about enough and i drive my family insane you know walking in and breakfast holding my phone and reading stats and they're like okay not right now it's breakfast time so you know i need this so i love it i really appreciate it thank you for uh giving me the opportunity to talk about my team of course of course and i'm i'm happy to be an outlet you know if you just want to bitch and moan about the thunder and uh, there have been some times where you've been excited in uh, some messages with me, and there have been some times where you've been a little upset. And like, look, I, I get it. I, I am the same same way. So, always welcome here. So, uh, we'll well, thank look, you, dude. I do appreciate it. Of course, looking forward to having you back on, Billy. But everybody, please follow if you don't already, which I'm sure you do. Follow Billy on Twitter. It's at the Billy Martin. Uh, follow along with all of his uh, great work that he's. I mean, just like a lot of musicians nowadays, um, that obviously touring is unfortunately not a thing anymore for the time being hopefully by spring summertime we're back in concerts uh but he's doing a lot of great work from home uh just if you like music if you're interested in music if you're interested in just recording music learning how i mean just follow billy's work um I, i've learned just thank you just following along with some of his stuff uh i don't do the same stuff of course but using technology to record you know sound certainly kind of in the same ball ballpark there i've learned a few tricks or two from billy so uh follow along with awesome. him but Appreciate everybody that man of course uh everybody thank you so much for listening to the okc82 podcast and we will talk to you later tuesday night on 107.7 the franchise following the thunder and the spurs game later that evening so look forward to hearing y'all and talking to y'all and until then we'll talk to you later